Hello, and welcome to Digfin Vox, Voices in Digital Finance. I'm your host, James DiBiazio. If you enjoy the program, like, share, subscribe. My guest today is Julian Anderson, co-founder of Divit, a payments company that finds itself on the cutting edge of helping one of the big global banks with its merchant acquiring strategy in Asia. I spoke with Julian about his background in insurance, where he was working to rationalize payments, and how that segued into a startup focused on helping merchants with payments and rewards. Julian Anderson, welcome to Digfin Box. Great to be here, Jane. Uh, looking forward to this conversation. This is actually my first Fox reporting of 2024, so Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, Julian, uh, I've known you intermittently through the fintech scene in Hong Kong for a, a little while now. Uh, I first met you when you were still working in the insurance space before you struck out and became a founder of your own fintech business. Uh, so I'd like to start off talking about the the firm that you run, Divot. Um uh, quite different, I think, than what you were doing when you were in the insurance space. Uh, so let's talk about some of the problems that you spotted in the marketplace. Uh, maybe tell me, let's go back into that career while you were still working um, at uh, whether it was QBE or, or Sun Life. Uh, how did that experience get you into where you are today? And then, of course, we're going to get into the meat of some of the issues that you're dealing with in the fintech side. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think I spent about 20 years in insurance in different roles from being a, a broker and actually selling the product um, in Australia um, until when I came up to Hong Kong in 2012 um, with QBE, which is when we purchased uh, Hang Seng, um, their, their book of business, and we integrated the Hang Seng insurance uh, company into a QBE entity um, that's still running today. Um, the, I, I suppose going back to where I began, prior to all of this in, insurance stuff, I, I'd always been working in tech and I'd had a, a tech background. Um, I've actually had two separate startups at different times, um, you know, around either insurance or, or, or directly in tech. Um, and my background being a software engineer and my first degree after I finished that was, um, was straight mathematics. Um, kind of led me towards doing something a little bit more, um, you know, a bit more technical, um, especially with the, the large insurers. And when I when I joined QBE um, and I came up to Hong Kong in 2012, um, the, the first real exposure to Asia um, was, was amazing. And in those days, payments for insurance policies were taken by check. Um, and many of them still are, which, which is incredible. Um, and fast forward to um, late 2016 when I joined Sun Life, um, we started to see some of the changes happen in, in the payments space in the market. Um, obviously, there was lots of regulation around, you know, knowing your customer, um, anti-money laundering, terrorism finance, all of that, that good stuff, which, which needed to be done. Um, and source of funds were a, a very important part of that and making sure, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And making sure that if you were buying an insurance policy for hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, that you knew where that money was coming from. So, um, what we, what we ended up 
doing was instead of um, is, is looking because I was running the digital transformation team, um, looking for alternate ways that we could remove the friction um, of uh, financial underwriting and uh, in dealing with all of those type of issues. Um, and we, we reached out to a number of different banks um, and this was spurred on by a question of why do we take so many checks? Why do we make all of these payments in checks? And in late um, 2018 and the start of 2019, um, FPS was launched in Hong Kong. Faster payment system. The faster payment system, exactly. Yeah, so this is obviously the banks uh, under the leadership of the HKMA, the Monetary Authority, uh, knitted together so that anybody with a mobile phone uh, or an email could send money to within Hong Kong within certain amounts. Yeah, so uh, the daily limit um, is, I think, four million for for some of the banks. So it's it's quite significant. Um, and I believe that the the main driver of this was um, the auto pay platform. So you know when you top up your octopus and um, and then it you know you can link that to your bank account and. Um, this auto pay system is uh, is due to be decommissioned, I believe, this year. Mm -hmm. um, so that was one of the drivers for change. The other driver for change was around just moving money between the banks. Um, if you're inside, you know, the HSBC network, um, it was free for HSBC and Hang Seng um, accounts. But if you're moving it outside of those between the different banks, there was sometimes a ten or fifteen dollar charge. So that went away. Um, and the HKMA also had it as a dual currency um, system. So you could pay in Hong Kong dollars or in, um, you know, RMB. So that platform we looked at, and at the same time, you had PayMe pop up, you had, um, you know, WeChat and Alipay uh, really start to, to gain some significant ground um, in the mainland. And... You know, I was I was thinking there was like, hang on, how can we accept payments via this FPS system rather than taking a check? Um, so we did a market scan. We looked at all of the the local banks and the international banks, um, and uh, we we figured out a way that we could create a set of APIs which could be um, consumed by by us as an as an insurance company, and we started off with. Um, just looking at let's get rid of checks and let's find a way that we don't need to send a check to our um, to our customers and to our clients. Um, and the first thing that we started with was um, to kind of um, to test on ourselves. So we had our internal um, you know employee medical claims, and instead of cutting a check for that, we sent them a payment via FPS and. We went from you know zero percent adoption to within the first um, three months up to seventy percent of claims that were were paid to our staff were via this this system, and so I started to right. think, well, there's there's some legs here. This this right. clearly it's a popular program. You know, everybody uses it now. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Um, and and then obviously we went through a whole journey to 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 you know change um, how checks were were coming into the business, um, how we could do things faster um, and be a lot more customer centric um, as compared to, you know, having to, to sit on a check. Sometimes the, the checks could get sat on for three weeks um, until they got banked and, you know, until the, the underwriting had finished, um, you know, clients that were, 
purchasing policies for, for very good protection reasons for their family, um, were obviously eager to know that they had made this purchase, that it had been accepted, um, that they were on cover and that they could you know, rest easily. Um, so to fast forward, um, we, uh, my business partner and I, David, um, we're, we're high school buddies from Sydney. Um, I've known David for nearly, oh gosh, 30 odd years. Right. Um, since we, since we first met in, in year, well, when I joined in year six, um, and I caught up with David after quite a few years. Um, and this is, you know, around 2019 period. And we started brainstorming. Um, he had joined a startup, um, out of Silicon Valley, um, that was doing an urge an earned wage access, um, you know, platform. So when you were between paychecks and, you know, people in Hong Kong um, get paid monthly and, you know, for, for some people, they, they might, there might be something unexpected that turns up um, and they need to access their, their wages. So he was setting up the Hong Kong business and, and business um, throughout Asia. And I, I kind of asked him this question. I said, well, look, you know, I've got this great business idea. It's, it's using a few of the new technology features and, um, and we, we found a business um, in Australia that was, was going gangbusters, that was doing buy now, pay later. And we okay. thought, well, what's the big things that people buy now, pay later um, in Hong Kong? Or, or what could be a, a great part of it? So we, we immediately kind of started doing some analysis, um, getting all these reports from, from different um, agencies around, around town. And we, we ultimately fell on travel and travel experiences and we thought well that's great it's it's very positive you know it's not a set of shoes or a new iphone or anything like that um you know this is something which is fun and we want that to be linked with the brand and, and to be fun and we started going through the business model and looking at what the other buy now pay ladies around the world were doing and everyone was linking it by a credit card and in hong kong we thought well that's that's good um, but once we started looking at the, at the uh, merchant fee for credit card payments, um, it then became a bit obvious that that was quite expensive. Um, so we went back to what I'd found in 2019 with, uh, with faster payments and started going around to my old friends that were in you know, different banks, um, you know, a little bit later on and to try and find a way that we could make, uh, faster payments work but for e-commerce payments, not just for these, you know, large insurance policy payments. Right. But still in the context of a buy now, pay later experience. Yes, that, that was where we started. And, you know, the model was, was very simple. It was one third deposit when you purchase um, at the point of sale. Um, and then you pay the remaining two thirds over the next two months. Um, and what we wanted to do was to take that kind of, um, experience that you got from octopus um, where you could top up the wallet it would automatically come out of your account and, and to link your you know buy now pay later purchase with your bank account mm -hmm. and obviously there was there was a huge arbitrage um, compared to a subscription payment on a credit card um, and we, we decided wow this is this is great so we we went on to that we we signed up um, a buy now pay later deal um, this is in early 2020 and in March, 2020 COVID hit. Yeah. So we went from 
lots of air travel in Hong Kong down to relatively none. None. Um, <laughs> very little. One percent. Yeah, very, yeah. very little. And we thought, wow, we need to do something a bit different. You know, this this uh, as we're as the months are rolling out and you know things are happening differently around the world. Um, we we just went well. Look, we need to pivot. We we've built a great platform. Um, we can take payments on this platform. We can um, we can well. What was in the pipeline for development at that time was linking the, the bank account to to our account. And we thought, well, this and, and we knew a lot of different um, small to medium sized businesses in Hong Kong. And we thought, well, why don't we start talking to them and see if they want to get an arbitrage on this because because your was your initial focus just on retail consumers um, flying around and doing stuff it, it it was yeah so the first was on travel because travel um we thought was really in need of um a somewhat disruption um when it comes to when it comes to payments and you know it's a great product you know who doesn't love going on a holiday um and we wanted that you know brand affinity with with good times and and a good product and then when you started talking to the merchants, small business side, was it still around travel or was it around like T and E, travel and expenses and that kind of thing? Or was there something a little more substantial to the the kind of uh, spending and budget questions that you had? It, it was anything and everything. So we, we started off with a, a kind of a, um, a group membership where they would um, kind of take an order for, for cheese and they would import cheese into into Hong Kong um, at some months they would do seven or eight tons of cheese um, and you know during lockdown um, that's, my, that's my, my that's my monthly consumption of cheese <laughs> there we go <laughs> um, yeah so so look during during lockdown we saw a huge uptake in e-commerce and in a traditional market where e-commerce really wasn't a thing um, you know people could just walk to your, your next corner, you'd walk into the into the supermarket, purchase whatever you want, and then you'd go home. But um, COVID made people start thinking differently, and you started seeing, you know, the HKTV mall trucks running around the streets, um, everyone ordering from Amazon. And what what we said to these to these merchants was, we said, guys, well, there's there's two things that that we can do for you. First of all, is that you save on credit card payments, which credit card was the primary way uh, for people to make payments for e-commerce purchases um, at that time. Um, and then secondly was um, to build your own loyalty um, with your customer. Because the the um, perverse thing about credit cards and credit card fees um, is that you're paying for your customer to be loyal to the bank or to the credit card company that issues it. Because they're issuing aisles or some other kind of rewards on top, and that's that's a for a lot of people that's that's a huge thing. That's almost why they want to use a credit card, especially for lumpy purchases. That that's right, um, and and the merchant's not really getting the benefit for it. It's not coming with, you know, this this reward of of um, cash back or points or dollars or miles or whatever it is isn't saying, well, thank you for your purchase at, you know, um, this this merchant. It's saying, well, thank you for having an our, our card yeah. and for using that. And also the merchants are um, the merchants, other customers who aren't part of that program are subsidizing those other people who are because they're still paying the high fees 
um, because the merchant has to charge the high fees to justify the you know paying for the, the the hooking up to those payment networks. So everybody ends up paying those higher prices, but only some of those consumers are actually getting the the extra juice on top. That's right. And one of the the stats that we quote regularly is in the U.S. Merchants pay. 138 billion dollars a year in merchant fees to the credit card networks and so most of that yeah most of that is is to pay for loyalty and to pay for um for for those uh you know points and miles and and everything that that people collect there is one other aspect though that what people are paying for which of course is um fraud security being able to get your money back if, if you declare a fraud you know there's a certain uh if, if I dare say to someone from with your background, a certain insurance uh, built into that. Um, how did you face that issue? And what is what did merchants have to say about the, you know, the efficacy of being able to uh, get payments resolved if there's a dispute or a fraud? Well, going back to the travel example, um, you, you're right. There is protections for, for customers um, that, that have this. However, for, from a merchant perspective, um, the the, the, and it's called a charge back. Um, yes. This is the mechanism that has been built, you know, um, for, for quite some time. Uh, Merchant has 14 days in order to answer a charge back case. And you can imagine if you're a travel company, um, you've priced a product, which is, which it's, um, you know, a, a kind of a use it or lose it type product. Um, the customer goes to their bank or to their credit card company, puts a case forward. Um, and because they're very, pro-consumer, they're not pro-merchant, um, the, the merchant generally generally loses out. Um, and there have been some cases where there's some, some crazy, um, you know, chargeback scenarios. Um, there was one lady, I believe, in the, in the US, and this was a story that was relayed to us when we were learning about this whole mechanism, that had a holiday and went onto a website. Um, the, the front of the... Um, uh, of, of the hotel had a beautiful sandy beach. However, when she arrived there, um, there wasn't any sand because there was all of this coastal erosion, I'm, I'm led to believe. And she went back to her credit card company and said, I was, you know, expecting a sandy beach and I got, you know, brown dirt. This is not, you know, they did not deliver what was expected and she won the chargeback um, mm. case. Now, an extreme example, but um, I believe it, it, it's, um, it, it shows that somehow that it can also go wrong and it's not really always in, um, in the best interest. Um, you know, one of the things that we did when they're um, with the airline, if there is disruption, so let's say there's a typhoon, let's say, um, you know, there is cancellations uh, for the flights, you know, we built um, a system which can help them to, to manage those ma mass cancellation and, and uh, mass disruption uh, flights so that it's not um, as you know, crazy as what the, the credit card system is. And there's nothing worse than if, if you are approved a refund, then having to wait 14 business days for the money to come back into your account. And especially if the merchant's done all of their work to, um, uh, to approve that refund case. So... For our merchants, um, we we do refunds for them. Uh, we do refunds which you know, can be even less than 100 Hong Kong dollars. 
uh, once they're approved, um, you know, and the and the merchant has has raised that successfully, um, you know, they're issued within the next business day. Um, so essentially, we, we pay merchant. Yeah. So so Julian, so so Divot is now in the in the business of of helping merchants run their own points programs, paying via FPS in Hong Kong for any kind of money in or money out needs that they that they have. Yeah, so we, we help merchants accept real-time payments uh, with FPS in Hong Kong, um, and we're partnered with Citibank. Um, and one of the, the major reasons why we're partnered with Citibank is around the globe, um, you have um, about 75 different countries that have real-time payment, um, payment rails. Mm. And as we're seeing, like with Hong Kong, um, they're doing the the kind of the proof of concept, where where, they, where they're linking FPS <clears throat> here in Hong Kong with prompt pay um, in Thailand. So you can walk into um, a 7-Eleven in Thailand, um, open up your your banking app, scan the prompt pay code, and then it will handle the payment to go across uh, borders to Thailand. Um, so I think th there's going to be more of that in the future. Um, but if you're a multinational merchant, and we're having a, a many of these conversations, um, they they obviously love the cost savings. You know, which which merchant doesn't want to save on payment costs and you know cut a chunk out of that 138 billion dollars? Um, they want for their e-commerce platforms and also for point of sale to have one integration point. Um, they want to deal with you know, one bank that globally can make it happen. They want the security, um, the speed, the convenience for their for their customers um, in the in the same way, um, or if not better than what than what they currently uh, currently have, and they just want it to be easy. So that's what we're doing. We're helping them uh, with a number of um, pre-built plugins. We've got APIs that that do everything, and then you know, to to the earlier point about loyalty. Um, we will accept their, their loyalty currency um, so that their customers get, get the benefit that they know where um, they've made the purchase from, about what they've purchased, and how they um, are earning those rewards. And then from City's perspective, you're basically um, a, a channel for them to grow their Asia or their global merchant acquiring business. Yeah, which we piloted here in Hong Kong. Um, we our ability is that we can onboard and uh, to get merchants up and running with taking real-time payments um, in a matter of hours. Uh, I, I think our record is, um, you know, we had a had a phone call with um, with one merchant's tech team after they signed up, and we obviously did our own DD and onboarding. Um, had had the merchant's tech team on a call. Uh, we went out then in the afternoon to train the staff. Um, and they were taking, you know, real-time payments that afternoon. If you had been still in the consumer side, you might have struggled to get a bank to support you because you'd be taking away from those uh, those hefty consumer issuing uh, uh, fees. So I guess that this was enabled partly because you made that pivot out of consumer into the merchant side, and now you're dealing with a very different aspect of of the bank. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, I, I think cities. Um, ethos and, and their mentality when it comes to innovation is that they prefer to be innovated um, and and you know to have 
another part of the bank kind of eat their eat their lunch, so to speak, um, rather than having someone from outside do it. Yeah. Okay. And how do you see the the, the big trend of linking, I guess, rewards or other types of payment related advantages in the merchant acquiring space? Um, you know, where do you see the the new battle lines being drawn? You're obviously on the front lines representing. Uh, you know, one of the institutions in that regard. Um, what is it going to, you know, what will be the the factors that make merchant acquiring work or not work for for these banks now that over the past few years, they've all been sort of returning to this, this industry? Yeah, um, I think that's, that's a really interesting point. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, that the age of the credit card is dead. I think, you know, people are going to use credit cards, um, I think they'll they'll keep on continuing uh, if they enjoy the the bits of plastic. But th th there's definitely a, a groundswell of opinion, uh, well, of um, of a movement um, when you look at some of the other countries that have had these real time payment rails working for you know purchases, be that in person purchases, be that um, online for, for e commerce purchases. Um, I think it's all about choice. Um, I think. Customers um, should be able to choose and should be able to save. Um, I think it should be a win-win for the customer and for the merchant that if um, a merchant wants to offer more expensive um, payment methods, so be that you know some of the wallets um, or, or some of the kind of wallet intermediaries like PayPal, for instance, um, you know where they where they kind of put that um, that middle firewall between other merchants where they might not trust with their credit card information because, you know, it, it, they might have had a negative experience in the past. Um, you know, I, I think let the let the customer choose. Um, and you know, we we definitely have seen when we get uh, when we get the situation right that we get upwards to sixty percent adoption and people moving across from credit cards to to try out new payment methods. Um, we've got. You know, we've got our uh, membership that that likes to to use Divot and that that likes the FPS experience. And now it's about you know just connecting more countries to the platform and and really scaling it. And I, the last question, because we're we're almost out of our time here, Julian. But that scaling question, on paper, it it sounds easy because you have FPS like environments in these other domestic markets. Uh, you've got the backing of a bank that operates uh, in many markets. Um, but how easy is it really to scale and, and uh, you know, how much customization do you require, even if you, if you go to, you know, Thailand uh, and, you know, there are some, some nitty gritty differences between these different payments, settlement time, whether it's a matter of seconds or, or, or minutes, um, regulation. So for any, any business coming out of a, a small market like Hong Kong, scale, international scale is usually the, the only way to really grow and, and, and have heft. Um, but costs is then, of course, on top of that. So how are, you know, what's the balance for you? What are you finding in terms of the, the, the costs and the, the slowness of going market by market? Or is it actually pretty rapid and you feel that you can kind of, you know, burst out of, uh, of the box? Well, we follow where our merchants and our customers want to go. So, um, you know, we, we're not going to go open up a, a greenfield market um, without having someone that, that comes in so that we can really learn on the ground and, and deal with it. Um, 
you know, from a from a tech point of view, um, a, a real time payment across the different countries is very similar. So, um, I quote about eighty five percent reuse of our platform, um, and we just have to then deal with that fifteen percent, which is different um, in each different market. Um, you know, the great thing with with having a partner such as City is they have in their back end kind of rationalized um, and, and to kind of make a, a bank account the same in each different country. And, um, you know, there are different rules on top of it, that's for sure, but fundamentally it's the same. So we, we've done some proof of concepts where we have um, stood up some other payment QR codes in, in, in different countries. Um, that, you know, that that is not incredibly difficult, um, but, it, it does come with its with its slight little problems, and um, you know we've worked through a lot of those already. And um, you know, hopefully this quarter um, we'll have uh, a couple of new markets under our belt and ready to ready to go for our for our clients. Okay. Do you have so besides Hong Kong? Do you have other markets that are live today? Not not at the moment. Only Hong Kong live. Um, we are very close on two others. Okay, great. And. Um... The, the flip side to the revenue is the funding side. <clears throat> uh, how well funded are you? It's been a tough environment uh, for the past two years for fintechs um, and and startups in general. Um, you know, what's your runway looking like? Well, look, um, it has been. Um, and thankfully, we've got a, a wonderful network um, of our, you know, friends, our family, you know, former colleagues uh, that believe in this business and, and that, um, you know, believe in, uh, myself and David, um, you know, to to run this, um, you know, we we run quite a lean and tight ship. Um, I've always had this this view about automating everything that I possibly can. So we've got you know a lot of automations that run through our different platforms. Um, I'm not going to use the term AI because <laughs> you know everyone seems to be on this kind of AI bandwagon. But um, you know when we see something where there's a repeat use case. We will build something that we can automate it with, um, and then we just we build lots and lots of dashboards, lots of monitoring, um, lots of instant messaging, you know, internally about things, um, and you know that that really helps us get that scale. So, uh, you know, in different countries, we will need physical presence, um, which is fine, um, and we obviously get a lot of that scale through City, um, which they're fantastic. You know, we've solved this problem for a number of their clients, their relationship managers in, in that market, you know, go and tell the story. Um, we, we pitch together with them um, and we, we end up having these, these wonderful conversations and start getting uh, merchants turned on and, um, you know, really reaping yeah. the benefits and the so savings. Are, are you guys VC funded or is it partly funded by city or is it just bootstrap with you and your your, your, your co-founder and some and some individual backers yep that's right um the, okay. the last so bootstrapping right. and, and all of our different friends and angels is there a point where you're going to have to to get uh, a, some kind of more formalized funding together I, I think there is um I think at the at the moment you know where we're we're okay we're we're good um it's a, as i said it's a very lean and mean team um and, and thankfully you know the scale that we get from the bank is is really helping us so that we don't have to have you know um 
huge sales teams. Um, we, we, we get those really uh, solid leads from the bank and we're able to execute on that. Great, okay. Well, it, it sounds like 2024 is gonna be an exciting year for Divot. You're gonna open up your, your first non-Hong Kong markets, um, see how that goes. Um, uh, Julian, wish you much success for the year. James, thank you so much. And, and look, uh, it, 2024 is gonna be a fantastic year. I'm feeling really buzzed and, and raring to go. Great. Well, thanks for joining me on Dishpin Vox. Thank you.